Welcome to ECB, Everything College Basketball, cooking it up with Tyler, Josh, and Peyton. Yeah. It's Everything College Basketball. We're marching on to the madness. Come to the pool, go press every crazy dunk in the conference and have that team match up. We're pulling your poles, taking your bows, letting the Burton brothers know. The players you're watching, the teachers you're not with, and who you see in the final four. With them shout outs and weekly pickums, plus those crazy rants from Tyler, Josh, and Peyton. It's ECB. Everything College Basketball. Training three. Man, this podcast has it all. It's ECB. Everything College Basketball. Training three. Yeah, now the moment you've all been waiting for, your host from the corner. Again and welcome everybody back to another edition of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, episode seventy-seven. I'm of course Josh Burton. My name is Peyton Burton, and we are brought to you today by Peyton. I didn't forget yeah, our, good. our good friends at Everything Pro Wrestling. Hit up Conrad Cushman for all your pro wrestling needs. It's been a hot time of the year as we march into the season for Royal Rumble, which is my favorite time of the year for pro wrestling. Yeah, uh, it's definitely a hype year uh, without fans and stuff like that. It's been rough for everything or for uh, professional wrestling. But, you know, World Rumble is just around the corner. It's one of the best pay-per-views year in, year out. Um, no matter if they have fans or not, it's always very exciting to see who returns, who debuts, all that stuff. And there's no other place to go than everything pro wrestling. Yep. So we can't thank Conrad enough for his continued loyal support. Um we are recording Monday night, so we are actually a day later than normal, probably a dollar short as well. But um, we we continue to march on. Uh, season continues to progress. A couple of hitches along the way we're going to talk about. This will be what we call kind of the fast break edition due to the fact that we didn't record a normal schedule. Won't be near as long, but it'll still be just as um, action-packed. Of course, as you guys remember, or should have seen on the Facebook group, we were supposed to have author of the upcoming title, um, the Cinder or a Cinderella story, or is it Cinderella story or the Cinderella way? Uh, um, might be the way. I don't remember. Graham Honecker, who helped co-author and author this wonderful book, it's getting ready to hit shelves here this spring. Titling basically detailing the run of Butler and what the Butler way is from the past twenty or you know from the last decade under Brad Stevens when they made it magical run and what led up to it dating back all the way to, I think he said 1988. And it along the way chronicles some of the more historic underdog stories that we've come to love in college basketball. We will have him on hopefully next week as the scheduling conflict, but we will have him on here soon to, to talk all about the book, hype up its initial release here this spring. It's Listen to him talk about it. I'm excited. I can't wait to get my hands on it. But we will have Graham join the show next week, hopefully, or at least here very soon. Um, Peyton, let's go ahead and get right into it, though. A couple, you know, 
I want to. I don't want to bury the lead, but uh, I, we will talk about a special player we've been talking about here here very soon. That had mm. a he, he proved us all right, basically. But let's go ahead and the the biggest story of the day, the biggest story of the week so far, and we've had a few big stories here this past week. The NCAA. We've heard for the last month or so that the the tournament would be played in the indianapolis or indiana the state of indiana as it is well it finally became official today anthony calhoun of wishtv.com and wish tv um channel i think it's what channel eight is still here in indianapolis I think so, yeah he's been a longtime sports reporter and sportscaster today he broke the news where he had heard because the headquarters for the ncaa is in indianapolis so he gets you know right there in the scoops uh-huh. excuse me he broke the the news officially that um, later this afternoon would have been an official announcement, and that's exactly what happened. So the NCAA tournament will be played in one, I guess, centralized location spread out across the state. The Final Four is already, if you guys recall, was supposed to be in Indianapolis this year anyway. So nothing changes. But for the first time in maybe forever or maybe ever, um, the NCAA tournament is going, at least in the modern era, is going to be played in one centralized location. The state of Indiana gets to host the this year's edition of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, uh, it's definitely exciting news. When I woke up this morning and saw that, I was actually very excited. I guess I basically we all basically already knew that's probably going to happen, but now that they can basically confirm what we already knew, it's even more exciting. And I think the three venues, or not venues, the three cities is Indy, Bloomington, and West Lafayette. So yep. you got Mackey Arena and obviously West Lafayette. You got Simmery Hall and Bloomington. And then Indy, you have Hinkle Fieldhouse, um, uh, Lucasaur Stadium, Bankers Life, and the place IUPUI place. So yeah, I think that's well, all the venues. So yep. yep, the Farmers uh, Farmers Coliseum that's is where the Indy Ice, right. the hockey team used to play at. IUPUI, there's been some, there's some venues up there, you know, big time events up there at the Farmers Coliseum. A lot of concerts come through the Farmers Coliseum. Um so that's cool. And they've also said Ball State will be like an emergency. They will use Ball State if need be. Same way with um, Farmers Coliseum. Th- those two are kind of the emergency venues if they need to use those two. They said there will be two courts inside Lucas Oil, um, but neither will be playing at the same time. So they'll have uh, two courts, but they won't be, it won't be AAU style. They won't be playing at the same time, I was gonna say, which I, I think would be kind of cool. I, I mean, it'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? But I guess college, you couldn't do that because of the distractions and everything. Yeah, so. it'd be way, especially in the biggest tournament, uh, it'd be way too many distractions to do that. It would be cool, yeah. but I don't know, honestly, I don't know how they could do that, though. I know the Final Four is going to culminate in the Lucas Oil because that was the plan. But I think for the special year, it deserves a special venue because even if by March, we hopefully can by Final Four time have fans, at least some capacity, like we're seeing the NFL now, like we've seen an MLB, you know, the NBA, et cetera, et cetera. NBA hasn't yet, but hopefully by March, as the vaccine continues to roll out, we'll get to see some sort of fans, whether it be like 6,000, 10,000 or whatever. I would love for the Final Four, to, instead of Lucas Oil, use it for like the Sweet 16, Play the Final Four in Hinkle. What what you know? What building of all those, especially in college basketball, but especially <clears throat> in the state of Indiana, has more tradition than Hinkle Fieldhouse? And plus, they always say Hinkle Magic. You talk about crazy Final Four with crazy stuff happening in a building that is that electric and that has that much history and the magic of it. I think that would be fun. Play the Final Four at Hinkle. 
Yeah, I think that would be fun too. Uh, I don't really care where the final four is at, whether it's at Hinkle, Lucasville Stadium, or if it's at Bankers Live. But don't really care. I just want to get the season. I just want to crown a national champion. And by the way, Happy New Year to everybody. My yeah. New Year's resolution is hopefully they allow some capacity of fans for either the tournament games, and hopefully we can be there at least one time this year. Uh, be the first time in a couple of years that we did not get to watch a college basketball game or go to the, go to a college basketball game. So hopefully we can keep that trend going. Hopefully they allow some capacity of fans or if we'll have to get media passes or some, something like that, it'd be nice to watch some of these games at either a Hinkle Field House or Bankish Life or even the Simley Hall. I'd go to Mackey Arena and watch some games. I don't really care. I just want to watch college basketball in person. No, I could, I completely agree, especially knowing that the whole tournament's going to be literally in our backyard. Literally, that yeah. would be a damn shame if we couldn't go up, at least cover some like open practices that they normally have surrounding the tournament, go cover some of the teams. Like it's, it's a, you know, it's what a 30 minute drive from where we're at to Indy. It's 40 minutes from here to Bloomington, you know, an hour, hour 15, hour 20, whatever from us to West Lafayette. So we're within striking distance of all these venues. It would be a damn shame if we couldn't go see something. Yeah, that'd that'd be, that sucked. But hopefully, fingers crossed. Yep. Um, So that was the biggest news by far so far of this week. Um, a little bit of controversy here on this next one. It to me, you you've heard some of those old sayings, right? It's like putting a hat on the hat. It's you know basically doing something that doesn't make sense. How about Bleacher Report reporting? Actually, Boston University players are now required to wear masks during the games. They did it today because they played this afternoon against Holy Cross in a conference game. And they will, the school will require all opponents who play Boston to mask up as well. That is, for one, it doesn't make sense because these guys are being tested before the games, after the games, so it shouldn't matter. And two, like we've seen in the Facebook comments on the post, some people who are really intelligent that work inside the medical field have given good examples that it's not healthy because it lowers wow. your, you know, your um, CO2 levels. Um, a, a quote or a comment actually here by Michael Isaiah Alvis. He he actually said he went to school for exercise, physical or like physical education. I assume is what he meant. He said that's the number one thing a few of his professors preached about. Don't wear them during strenuous activity. Messes up your CO2 slash O2 exchange during breathing. Not good. We also had another um, we had another person who's in the medical industry. Uh, Brittany Piercefield says, when you're huffing and puffing, that mask is completely soaked with sweat and saliva. You know it's completely pointless, plus dangerous, feel bad for the players. It's just, I think it's just going too far. I, I don't I don't see the point in it, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, um, I couldn't imagine doing that. That would actually suck. I walk around with my mask if I'm going to like Civil K or something. Sometimes it gets annoying to have just to have a mask on, but I do it anyway just for uh, safety protocol. I couldn't imagine be sweating dripping sweat, uh, playing the whole floor, especially if you play like the whole game, that would suck. So I don't understand why they do that. That's going way too far in my eyes on being safe. Um, yeah, I, that suck. The only thing I can think of is that they are trying to clout chase. I feel like there's some, I feel like they're trying to do it to try to get praised from the wrong type of people. To be like, oh, look how, da, 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 whatever, right? And then they're feeling pressure from, somebody who doesn't really have a clue and what happens when when these kids you know if something bad does happen say like this causes like 
you know, people are talking about the H or the CO2 levels that drop. Say something bad happens when these kids collapses and passes away. They'll try to blame it on the corona when really it was more than likely the stupidity of having to wear a mask during strenuous activity. Yeah, uh, going way too far in my eyes. Uh, if I was the opponents, I'd tell them to go fuck themselves because I would not do that. That would Guar- Guarantee it. Absolutely. I'd be like, nah, nah, if you want to do it at your school, whatever, but you're not making us fucking do it. Hell no. Not a chance in hell I'm doing that crap. I couldn't no. imagine. That would literally suck. Yeah. So another big piece today, Monday seems to be the day where a lot of stuff comes out. Um, first day of the week, I guess. But the brand new for the first time this season, the net rankings. This is what, three or four years old now. It's the new metric that was supposed to replace like the RPI and stuff. And it's a combination of all those things, strength of schedule, RPI, win-loss records, there you go, quad one, quad two, quad three, and quad four, Um, neutral wins, all those stuff's supposed to be a factor. And this is supposed to be what we've been told the last couple of years of what the big determinant for the committee to look at, right? Well, the, the net rankings, the first edition this season were released. And, of course, at the top is exactly who you would think and should be. Um, Gonzaga brings in the first rankings at the net rankings, number one, setting at 10-0 and record, Peyton, 5-0 and neutral sites, 5-0 and at home. They have four quad one wins and then four quad four, one quad one, or two and one quad three. By far, they should be number one in every category, in my opinion. It's not even a question. They got three of the best players in the nation in Kisper, uh, Timmy, and Suggs. And they got probably the best sixth man in the nation and uh, Andrew Nimrod come off the bench. They're just too good right now. And it doesn't surprise me. They're beating everybody. Uh, you mentioned, what, four quad one wins or something like that. It's just incredible. They hit down in Kansas. I think they're still tied for the most linked wins in the nation at four. It's just incredible the run they're on. And I don't know if they can, if anybody's going to stop them, especially not in the West Coast Conference. Well, you spoke, you spoke of Kansas. Surprisingly, they're pretty low than what you consider. They are 27th right now in the net ranking, setting at seven and two. They are um, three and two in quad one, quad one games, undefeated and everything else. So they played five quad ones that ties them right there with the most out of anybody that I've seen thus far. So it goes to show the type of caliber because quad one, if I remember right, is like teams ranked one through 50 and then 51 through 75 or quad two. And I think it's 75 through like 150 or quad three. And then from 150 all the way up to like 357 or eight or somewhere around there. I think it's around there close. Maybe it's quad ones, one to 75, so on. But Ken uh, does not duck in anybody this year, but they are 27th in the, the first edition though. I feel like, Especially, how many years have we doing this? Three years now since the net rating yeah. came out. I feel like at least the first week, they always get it wrong at some point. Kansas needs to be at least top 10, maybe top five. I mean, them and Gonzaga, like I mentioned, are tied for the most uh, ranked wins in the nation at four. Kansas is beating teams like West Virginia, Creighton, Texas Tech. Um, obviously, they just lost to Texas the other night. But still, you can't count that against them. I don't understand how they're 27th. They need to be way higher. But like I said, the net rankings, it's a cool deal. Replacing like the RPI and stuff like that. But I feel like once we get down to the season, more net rankings come out, then they'll start getting a little bit more accurate and what they should be. But first week, I never go too much on it. Gonzaga's number one. That's really everything I care about. 
Yeah, and a couple other things on the on the net rankings before we close out on this. Yeah, you're right about that. The it's not necessarily as accurate as it could be because 16th is Colgate. They're one and one on the year. Um, so they're setting at 16th in the net rankings. But a couple of validation points during this that I, I feel like validates you and I big time. Third is Tennessee. And I know they just lost Alabama. We'll talk all about that. Third is Tennessee. That validates what we've been preaching all summer and all fall, just how good the Vols are. I think everybody's starting to wake up and see that Rick Barnes has a special team down there in Knoxville. And the other one at 12th in the the new um, or the first edition of net rankings, the St. Louis Billikens. That's a very, very good St. Louis team. Defensive minded. They'll really get after you. They've got one loss on the year um, to Minnesota, which is obviously not a bad loss at all. No, not at all. So I think those two teams really validate us because we I thought we fought really hard for them over the summer and fall. Yeah, uh, Tennessee being a third doesn't surprise me. They needed to be in the top five category because they're one of the best teams in the nation. We've known that since preseason, since guys like Jaden Springer or Josiah Jordan James, guys like them coming back is just John focusing. Not I'm wanting, I don't know why I said Jaden Springer, but. They're a very good team, and they're going to contend the SEC Conference, even though they just lost Alabama. That's whatever. Uh, they still beat up in Missouri like two days before that. So they're still a very good team, very deep, very talented. And, yeah, they should be third. I think Louisville's 33rd, if I remember 33rd, correctly. yep. Yep, 33rd. So, I mean, they are one, one and one in quad ones. They're unbeaten and everything else. So that's good for us. A little bit high, for in my opinion. But – I don't know. Gonzaga needs to be number one. I'm happy. Who's Baylor? Baylor's second, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, I was yeah. going to say. They got yeah. the top three right, at least. Kansas. Uh, uh, you said Louisville 33rd. Other area teams, people I know in our market, we're, uh, you know, looking at. Purdue 47th, which would put them as the quad one. Indiana 51st, which I think is right on the quad one bubble. I got to figure this out if it's either 1 through 50 or 1 through 75. Indiana 51st. They are 0 and 3 in quad ones, though, and 3 and 1 in quad two, unbeaten in the other two. Um, so they've got to, because the longer this goes, and they're behind the Big Ten, they're going to have every every night basically a quad one opportunity at this rate. Pretty they've got to start. You can't You can't be losing a bunch of these quad ones. No. That's the one thing that will hurt them come tournament time. Got to get some quad one wins. Where's Texas at? Uh, Where are they at? Because I briefly skimmed through the Netherlands. I just want to see it was like top three. I didn't really see anything else. I actually want to see what Louisville's at. The so, Longhorns are ninth. All right, that's not bad. That's fine. No, and, and then Kentucky's obviously like 144, which is about right right now. Yeah. It's about right. But Nonetheless, that is the net rankings. We will keep an update on these every single week as they continue to get released because they do play a huge, huge factor in the, the selection committee. Other than that, I mean, we had the coaches pulling everything, a couple movements and shakes, but really Gonzaga's top of the heap. That's all you really need to know. But other than that, Peyton, you got anything before we move on? Um. I mean, Nojo Easton, what, he's gone probably now or something like that? Yeah, he didn't – he he transferred from Purdue to Howard, and he didn't even suit up, and now he's opting out to go pro. I mean, I wish the kid the best, but he definitely should have stayed at Purdue. Yeah, I don't know how well he's going to do in the pros. Um, who knows? Maybe he can prove me wrong. But, yeah, he should have stayed at Purdue. He definitely shouldn't have transferred. But 
don't know, just our opinion though. But no, I'm ready to start to recap these games. I don't got anything else to say. Right on. So with that being said, we're going to take a break of the action when we come right back. Talk about some of the big games from this past week. You're listening to episode 77 of the podcast. We'll catch you right back in a moment. Everything College Basketball listeners, what's going on? It's Conrad Cushman from Everything Pro Wrestling. Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans for the fans. And I'm here to let you know how you guys can catch up on all the latest and greatest in the world of pro wrestling. You guys can go to youtube.com, type in Everything Pro Wrestling, give us a subscribe. We are over a 1,000 subscribers now, and we have achieved a YouTube partnership if you guys want to be in the live chats, come on in, join us, and talk pro wrestling. We record AEW Dynamite every Wednesday. We also talk about WWE, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and your local indies, and much, much more. So make sure you guys are subscribed to Everything Pro Wrestling. You can also listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. All of the live streams are transferred right onto there. But enough of me talking about pro wrestling. Let's get you back to listening to everything college basketball. Welcome back to the show. Uh, obviously, we talked about everything at the top of the uh, top of this deal. You know the net rankings, NCAA tournament stuff. But let's get into looking back at last week's action, the turn of the new year action that we've seen. Peyton, let's start off with the game of the week. Game of the day on Saturday, arguably was the game of the week. Big 12 clash between two Titans in the conference and in the nation at that. Number eight, Texas, goes into Allen Fieldhouse, destroys the Jayhawks, 84-59. If you would have told me at the start of this that Texas wins, I'd say, all right. If you had told me they would have blown them out, didn't think that was going to happen, but that's exactly what they did. Texas's length and athleticism, the way they defend, they were pressing and trapping and was confusing Kansas, turned them into a 10-second call a couple times. They're the real deal. This is Shaka's best team, I would say, ever, and this is including, I think this team would beat his VCU Final Four team. I think so, and like you said, this is a game where I wanted to pick Texas to win. I talked about it last week. I was very close in picking Texas to beat Kansas. I just thought Kansas being the Allen Fieldhouse, even with very little fans, I thought Kansas would get their job done. Squeak out another win, but they finally took a, they finally took a loss in the Big 12 Conference. Texas, I think this is the first time for the seniors that they went to Allen Fieldhouse and won, if I remember correctly. I think that was yep. the stuff they said, which is incredible. But, yeah, Texas – Texas is one of those teams, one of those two teams that and I mentioned the Facebook group, Michigan's the other team, but Texas and Michigan are the two teams that surprised me the most this season. Absolutely. Texas and their size, their interior defense with between Jericho Sims, uh, Greg Brown, they got a terrific front court. Um, their backcourt's very underrated with guys like Courtney Ramey, Andrew Jones, and Matt Coleman, who had a very good game this game. He was hitting almost everything. He had 13 points, six assists. Six rebounds. He did it all as a point guard, as the best player on the floor. Uh, Courtney Ramey, who I enjoy watching Courtney Ramey play. He's one of my favorite players. Uh, in the nation, he had 18-4. and four. Andrew, Andrew Jones had 14-7. and seven. Just incredible. Greg Brown actually had a quiet night, but it's okay because everyone else stepped up. And he had five points, five boards. Jericho Sims with a double-double. This takes a squad. I didn't expect them to blow Kansas out like this. 
But then again, Texas is a very good team, and it doesn't surprise me that they won. It just surprised me on how badly they beat Kansas, though. We talked about it last week in preview, and they came, or we kept reiterating how good Texas was, especially on the defensive end. We said that they were a top-10 defense. They have jumped all the way to the number four ranked defense in America. Now that's how good they've been. Um, yeah, Greg Brown was kind of quiet, but Jericho Sims was so good. I mean, if you look at stat line, 11 points is whatever, but the 12 rebounds, he had one block, but he, he did so much that Bill Self could not play David McCormack until late in the second half. That's how good and big of an impact he made. And then how about that three-headed monster guard that Texas has? Ramey, Coleman the third, and Jones. Peyton, Texas shot 12 of 26 from three, 46% in Allen Fieldhouse against the Kansas Jayhawks. It, uh, it's unreal. 46.2% from three, 12 out of 26. Kansas, 13% from three. Could not hit anything. Uh, you came over the first half. You didn't watch the first half, but I gave you a rundown. I just basically said Texas was hitting almost everything. Jones, Coleman the third, Wayne, all those guys was hitting shots. And Kansas couldn't stop them. And you mentioned David McCormack. David McCormack's a liability for this Kansas team. Like I said, I feel like Cook would probably agree with me. Uh, especially in this game he was, he just, he makes dumb decisions. He doesn't really defend too well. He's not the typical Kansas big that they had last season with Doak or a couple years ago with DJ Lawson. They don't have a dominant big man down low. And even though they won some big time games, including games like West Virginia and Texas Tech and Creighton win and beat Kentucky, they're still having troubles on their front court with not having a dominant big. And I feel like that's hurting them. David McCormack, like I said, it's a liability to this Kansas team. Yeah, um, McCormack, he did go for eight points, but everyone from the free throw line. So what is that? Um, Mitch Lightfoot played 14 minutes, literally not. He had two blocks, three fouls. That's the only stat line he had. And then really Kansas's others, they're just too small for Texas, and that's what we were talking about. Um, let's see how bad did Tech or what? Texas had 10 offensive rebounds. Actually, Kansas had 14 surprisingly enough. Um, Texas really came down to their defense and three-point shooting is what won them this game by that big margin. Had Kansas not had Jalen Wilson, he's been phenomenal, by the way. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt in the last month he has been, or at least last three weeks, since that Kentucky game, I feel. He's been Kansas's best player. Had they not had him on Saturday, this could have been even worse. Yeah, uh, they struggled to put up 59 on Texas, but credit to Texas defense. And I agree. Ochea Bobby had a decent game, 11.6 rebounds. But ever since that Kentucky game, Jalen Wilson has been the best player for this Kansas squad. And it really shows how talented he is as a sophomore. Last season, he didn't really get to play too much because he broke his hand. He was out for the season. But ever since that Kentucky game, he stepped up. He's been a leader. He's been the best player on the floor. Marcus Garrett was actually pretty disappointing in this game. Six points, four rebounds, or six points, four assists, two rebounds. Played 32 minutes. Didn't really have too much production out of him. Defensively, guys like Coleman was just having his way, having the way with him. Christian Brown didn't really play too well either. Four points, six boards. Um, Bravo to Texas, man. This Texas squad has a legitimate chance of winning the Big 12 Conference. And it's I all because of Shocker Smart growing his hair out. Yeah, I, I think that too. Um, I think a little bit too on Kansas. Now, their field three-point percentage came down. That's down at 35.6, which isn't bad. It's actually pretty decent. But I think it was fool's gold after they shot so well against West Virginia, hit what, 14, 15, 16 threes. 
They came back to earth a little bit, three of 23. They've just got to find better balance when they're shooting the three ball. They can't go 14 one night and then three the next night. They're going to have to figure out a balance there. Inside play, they're not going to get any bigger as the year goes on. So they're going to have to – I think they're just going to have to suck it up to play small, to go a small ball kind of deal. If McCormick and Lightfoot can't play, then they can't play. You just play your best five, spread the floor out, modernize basketball. Bill's good enough, though. Kansas is going to bounce back. They got TCU next this week, the first game, and then Oklahoma this weekend. They're going to bounce back. Bill will have them ready. Yeah, the Big 12 is so top-heavy right now. They weren't just going to run through everybody in the Big 12 conference, especially starting their first three games in the conference, playing West Virginia, Texas Tech, then Texas. Even though they beat Texas Tech and West Virginia, they eventually was going to lose at some point. And, I mean, Texas is a very good squad, so and they just got beat up very badly. Um, but, yeah, te- Kansas will be fine, but Texas is really damn good, and they deserve the credit they need. Yeah, I can't wait for when we get that Texas-Baylor matchup here soon. Yeah. That'll be fun, fun, fun. Peyton, we had some upsets throughout the week. Let's go ahead and dive into some of those. We'll stay on Saturday. SEC clash. We put over Tennessee being that good. Peyton, we knew Alabama had potential to be top half of the SEC, borderline top 25 if clicking. They've struggled throughout the year. They're seven or six and three coming in Saturday, but they go into Knoxville and give Tennessee the L for the first time this year. They're seven and three now. They're two and zero oh in conference, and they went into the probably the toughest building in the SEC to play in, either that or uh, Bud Walton Arena in Arkansas. This is an Alabama team that's so damn sporadic, but you've seen when they're good. I mean, John Petty at seventeen. When they're good, they're real good. Yeah, uh, you asked me on this day, uh, do you, do I think Tennessee would get beat or Alabama would beat Tennessee? And I said, no, I thought Tennessee was going to get the job done, especially since how they embarrassed Missouri not too long ago, like three days before this game. Um, but no, Alabama looked very impressive. You mentioned John Petty, who's my SC player of the year candidate, uh, 19 points, seven rebounds. Javon Quinley had a great game. You don't yep. get too much on the scoreline, but – he was defender. He had he had ten. Well, it says on here he had ten points, but ten or twelve. He had a decent game, uh, six assists. But he was just shaking fools like crazy, uh, like it's nobody's business. And I'm very impressed with how well he played. Uh, Josh Primo had eleven. John, oh, you mentioned John Patty Jones had eleven uh, for Tennessee. John Fulkerson had a quiet game, seven points, five rebounds. Victor Bailey Jr. had sixteen and seven. Was Colby had thirteen. Josiah Jordan James had two points. Like, what are you doing, man? And Eves Ponds, he, I mean, he had six, but he did it five blocks. He kind of had about what you'd expect. He wasn't a big scorer, but damn, his defense is so good. Five blocks. Yeah, J- Jaden Springer had three points, played only five minutes. He needs to get more point in time. Keon but, Johnson, the other freshman, the four-star kid, 12. And Olowski had two. Uh, I mean, Tennessee shot four of 21 from three. Yeah. Uh, they missed nine free throws. They turned the ball – well, they only turned the ball over nine times. But, yeah. they, you know, style-wise, they won about everything else. But that three-point line will kill you, man. That's make or break, and then they're missing nine free throws like that. Yeah, so, and Alabama didn't shoot much better. They shot 52.9% from free throws. They actually shot worse than Tennessee, but they shot 10 out of 23 points. So that's 50%, so that's the reason they won this game. Um, and, actually, you no know, Tennessee won the rebounding battle, 46-43. to 43, yep. Uh, I mean, good win for Alabama. I wouldn't consider this a terrible loss for Tennessee because oh, no, 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 no. a sneaky uh, good team in the SEC Conference, uh, very talented. But Tennessee, 
they got to get better shooting three, though. They can't do that again, or they'll get beat more. Yeah, because there's some teams. I mean, you look at Florida, they can really sh- you shoot the ball. Um, and in Tennessee, earlier in the week, went and beat up a very good Missouri team on the road yeah. and came back and laid an egg. The SEC is not as bad as people think. I, I don't – this argument that people are like, oh, the SEC is so bad. I'm telling you right now, Alabama, Missouri, Tennessee, Florida, Arkansas, those are five or six pretty good teams right there with one being really good in Tennessee. Just because you look at a conference like the Big Ten, you know, it's like eight teams, ten teams deep that can potentially make a tournament, doesn't mean the SEC conference is a bad conference. They're a very good conference, and they're getting better uh, every year. So I don't understand why everybody's saying this SEC conference is so weak because it's really not. It's way better than the Pac-12 conference. I'll say that. Damn sure. So, Damn sure. But yeah, uh, let's go. Let's go back to another upset. This was this week had quite a few upsets, like we would normally find. On Saturday, inside the Big 12 again, Oklahoma holds home court 75, number nine, West by God, Virginia 71. This despite West Virginia outscoring the Sooners 51-37 in the second half, but they were down 18 at halftime. That's enough to do it. How about Umoja Gibson from Oklahoma? 29 points, five boards, Peyton, in the upset win. Lon Kruger is one of the most underrated coaches in college basketball. He always has his Oklahoma teams, like, just good. They're always in contention. Yeah. What a win for Oklahoma. They only shoot too well from three. 11 out of 35, 31.4%. West Virginia shot a crazy percentage from three. 24 three-pointers, made 14. That's 58.3%. It's crazy that they shot that well from three and they still lost the game. But they're bigs, guys like um, Derek Culver, um, guys like that. They got beat on the rebounding on the rebounding glass, uh, 41 to 36. But, yeah, man, this Oklahoma team is pretty decent and a great win for them. Davion Holman had 10 points, four assists, shout, three rebounds. To, yep, shout out to my guy Davion. What you're concerned about West Virginia moving forward is this was the first real game without Oscar Sheeway because we forgot yeah. to mention that that he opted like he's I don't think he's opted out completely but he's done for now yeah he he stepped away from the team and that's a literally and physically that's a huge loss for the Mountaineers mm-hmm. to try to replace that size inside but you got to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, you definitely have to figure it out. That's definitely not a good loss for them because he's an NBA prospect. Well, he's an NBA-caliber prospect. Uh, he's especially a great defender as well. But, yeah, great win for Oklahoma, though. Yep, you want upsets. We got upsets in the Big 12. Another upset on Saturday inside the Big 12. Oklahoma State, 82, number 13, Texas Tech, 77 in overtime. This game at the end of regulation, Tech was up three because I was watching this right before Kentucky came on. Tech was up three with like, I think it's like eight, 10, 12 seconds right around that range. And guess who steps up and hits the big three to send in an OT for the Cowboys? That's Cade right. Cunningham. Cade Cunningham. He is the real deal. But leading this upset charge was the, the experienced Avery Anderson, the third. 17.6 boards on Texas Tech side. Kyler Edwards had a good game, 18.7 boards. It's just life in conference play. Um, Tech had a chance to close it out, didn't. They allowed a superstar to make a play, and he did. And then State was able to make a couple more plays in overtime. This is a good Oklahoma State team that's going to miss the NCAA tournament. 
Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I forgot about that. They definitely obviously missing the NCAA tournament. We wanted to see guys like Kate Cunningham go off in the tournament, which is unfortunate. But yeah, great one for Oklahoma State, uh, Texas Tech. Mac McClung had a decent game, twenty-one points. Both teams shot pretty well from three, forty-two percent for Oklahoma State. Here's my for Tech. Here's my problem with Mac McClung. I've watched Tech play four or five times this year already. He is very good, and he'll put up numbers, but. Damn, he hits one or two shots, and then his next shot down the next time, like say he hits one shot, he's like, okay, maybe he gets to the rim, he scores again. So he scored five or six in a row, which is fine. But then he comes down the next two or three possessions and just takes some bad shots. Like he forces them, like he's still at Georgetown. He's got better players on tech, and I know they're relying on him, but he needs to do a better shot at shot selection, even when you're hot, because he takes himself out of like being hot sometimes. Yeah, he's definitely got pieces that can help him. He has he's got, he has guys like Marcus Santos Silva. He can definitely help with that scoring low. Terrence Shannon Jr., um, Keon Edwards. So uh, Edwards, he has some guys who can help him. He just yeah, like I said, he's a great player. Don't get me wrong, he's a superstar. But yeah, he definitely needs to get better when his shot selection. Just be a little bit more smarter. But yeah, wait, you want to talk? Yeah, you want to talk about two real quick superstars? Cade Cunningham went three of twelve on the day. And he wasn't shooting the ball well prior to that, that game tying three. But all it takes with a guy like that, just keep him firing because mm-hmm. he's eventually going to bust you for one. That's exactly what he did. Good win for the Cowboys. A damn shame, though, they won't be in the NCAA tournament this year. Unfortunate. At least we get to watch him now, though. Yep. Um, a big 10 action on Saturday as well. Number 10, Iowa actually went into a road victory and tuck one from number 14, Rutgers. I was wrong in this. Luca Garza, of course, had another big game, 25. But Iowa was able to actually hold somebody in her 80, and they won a game. How about that? Yeah, uh, my bank only was Rutgers going to get the job done. They were super close, only lost by two. But, yeah, Luca Garza uh, keeps proving me right. that he, I feel like he's the best player in the nation. Um, 25 points. He only had too many rebounds. We had four, which we normally average as a double-double. But – Jordan Bahan had 13 points, but besides him, of Murray had 14 points, but it's really just the Luca Garza show the whole night. Um, and they, like you said, they finally held a team under 80 points and they won. Yeah. Yep. Um, on Thursday, going backwards here, big time matchup, rivalry matchup, if you will. Number 21, well, now number 21, Minnesota. They went to the Cole Center and lost to Wisconsin 71 59. That slowed down their momentum. A little bit. Wisconsin is so hit or miss. They're nine and two and three and one in the conference right now. We know what they can do. We know their identity, their experience. They're old. They shoot the three really well. They defend pretty well. Their problem is, I think, is consistency. But boy, when they're clicking and they gr- they're not afraid to grind it out. This is a team I think is if you're looking for a a team that's not Gonzaga or Baylor caliber, but is good enough in the right circumstance with the right matchups to make a final four, this is a team I would play some money down on. I think right now they're a lead eight team. I still have my warriors on them. Like you said, they got to keep consistency, but as of right now, they're definitely getting better. Every game I watch them, they shot 40% from three this game. They only shot 15, hit six of them. Free throws. They got to get to the free throw line more. They only had eight attempts from free throws. Um, lost the rebounding battle, but 
Yeah, 71-59 win. It's a good win for them, but I feel like they still have room for improvement, especially if they want to win in that tough-ass Big Ten conference where there's so many good teams. It has a chance of beating you every night you play. You're going to have to play a little bit better than that. Even though they won by 11 points or 12 points, I can't do my math correctly. Um, it's still a good win, but I feel like there's still room for improvement, though. I agree. Um, a couple more upsets throughout the week on Tuesday night. Number five, Houston takes its first L of the year in conference play to Tulsa, 65-64. Peyton, the game, Brandon Rochelle from Tulsa, 20.7 boards to knock off previous unbeaten Houston. You just never know in conference play, especially when you're on the road. Especially, it doesn't matter whether you have fans or not. There's something different about playing on the road it's going to be like this, except unless you're Gonzaga, it's going to be like this for everybody this year. Yeah, uh, a couple of reasons why they lost this game. They shot 19% from three-point line, but that's really, even though they lost by one, even though that's terrible from three, they missed 11 free throws. Yep. They shot 64.5% from free throw line, 31 attempts, hit 27. If you just least hit two more free throws and you win the game by one point. So. And they still had a chance at the end to win, and they fouled late, like just being stupid, which set up Tulsa for a chance to win at the end, just being dumb. So good win for Tulsa. They're always kind of just sneaky, it seems like, in that American conference. But Houston, they're going to have to learn to close out games like that because, you know, it's life and conference play. But the other um, upset on Tuesday night in the ACC, I think uh, they should be ranked this week, but they're not, which is a travesty in my opinion. Clemson holds home court over number 18, Florida State, 77-67. They outscored the Seminoles 48-33 in the second half. Peyton, this is a underrated as all hell Clemson team. We talked about them last week when you asked me about favorites in the conference, and I made sure to mention Clemson. This is a Clemson team. I've watched them play Purdue. I've watched them play Florida State now. Um, this is a Clemson team that could be very, very dangerous inside that conference who we talked about last week. It's down, actually. The reason why Clemson won this game is as crazy as me, as crazy as it sounds, they dominated Florida State in the glass. Yes, 49 they did. to 35. And you wouldn't think that on a Leonard Hamilton team that's very tall, very athletic, has tremendous size. You wouldn't think they get dominated that badly on the glass. But they did. And it's the reason why Clemson won this game because both of these guys, or both of these teams, they only shoot too well from three. 29% for Clemson, 28% for Florida State. Uh, Florida State shot a little bit better from the field, 41, 42 to Clemson's but look at, But look where Clemson, this I think goes into what you're talking about, the domination and physicality factor. Clemson shot 33 free throws. Florida State shot nine of them. And I think in part because Florida State also took 32 threes, Clemson's a very physical team. They will beat you up. This is a good Clemson team. Brad Brunell has turned this program around in the last four or five years to where they have to be respected. This is a team that honestly could be at the top of the conference. They're seven and one right now, overall one and one in the ACC. Yeah, uh, Florida State, I mean, got to shoot a little bit better from three. Actually, a lot better from three. But yeah, great one for Clemson, though. Definitely one of the most surprising teams in ACC conference. And I agree. I think they have a legitimate chance of definitely fishing top three, possibly winning the ACC conference when it's all said and done. We shall see. Peyton, let's go ahead before we close things out on this, uh, the recap part of it. Let's go ahead and talk about it. What, Louisville beating Boston College? 
we can talk about it. you can, you want to do that real quick uh i was just kidding uh, yeah Lola beat boston college david johnson had like i don't even know how many points he had um but he had a very good game i was just trolling go ahead i know what you want to talk about i mean finally they broke a six game losing streak going into a tough place to play and it gets a decent mississippi state squad you know, it took Calipari finally got ejected. He seems to do it once a year, and it always seems to spark the team. I think so much credit. And by the way, Kentucky wins is what I'm getting at in a double over or an over a double overtime limit. It was double OT. Um, Kentucky finally wins, snaps the streak, but you got to give a lot of credit to Bruiser Flint, who took over the head coaching job when Cal went out. That second half, he set B.J. Boston, who did not – he checked out with two minutes to go in the game, did not see the floor the rest of the game. Beautiful decision by Bruiser. I thought our offense ran more smoothly. I thought his defensive plan where he would stay zoned and switch it up and go man, trap when we needed to trap, and he played the five best players on the floor. There's so much credit that needs to go around in this big win. Bruiser Flint, I think – Devin Askew continues to come in his own, but Peyton, the star of the show, we've been begging for him, and boy, did he not disappoint. Dante motherfucking Allen off the bench. We've been begging and pleading the best shooter. We've been screaming it, and I'm so happy for this kid. I literally felt like I could have cried the other night just because you know how much that had to mean to him. He's an in-state kid. He's dreamed of wearing the blue and white his whole time. He had the weight of a state on his back who's been, you know, begging for him and begging for him and begging for him. And he comes out, plays 32 minutes, 8 of 13 from the field, 7 of 11 from three, drops 23 points, five boards. What a what a legendary moment. What a legendary <laughs> game. He was in a zone he shook when you could tell when he's in that zone. He shook off a quick ball fake and busted a three to extend a lead late in the overtime. Peyton, the kid's in a zone, and he validated everybody what we've all been preaching about. He changes this Kentucky team. The one thing this we knew that Kentucky could defend, but the one area that we've struggled all year is shooting. He opens this team up now. 7 of 11 from 3, 23 off the bench. What a Cinderella story this is. Now you guys understand why I was so fucking nervous a week ago. <laughs> now you guys understand why I was so damn nervous heading into that Louisville Kentucky game last weekend. Now y'all know. 23 motherfucking points coming off the bench. I mean... Incredible. I didn't watch too much of this game. I skimmed through it a little bit because I think I think I was watching something else. I think this, was this happening? I think it was might have been happening at like college football playoffs. So I might have been. It was. That. Yeah. Okay. So I was, I was watching that. I was skimming through a little bit, keeping up with the stats. But yeah, what a game! Dante Allen, thirty-two minutes, twenty-three points, five boards. BJ Boston. That's that's a guy you need to start right now. Give him the starting yeah. spot. Him and Devin Askew is the guard spots. I mean, and Davion Mintz. Yeah. Davion Mintz, like. Oh my God, I'm I'm happy for the kid. I really yeah. am. I you, go ahead. I still think he should transfer though. Yeah, well, not now. Not if he's going to get run like this. But we'll see. What you know, a lot to be questioned because now it's like 
if Calipari was still coaching that whole game, would Dante have got even that chance? Because Calipari is notorious for taking kids out who get red hot for some reason. Bruiser said, I don't give a shit about your feelings. I don't give a care. I don't care about your stars. I'm playing to win. And boy, that lineup that he went with, with Davion Mintz, um, Dante Allen, Devin Askew, Olivier Saar, and then a combination of Lance Ware, Jacob Toppin, or Isaiah Jackson. And even Isaiah didn't play really in the two overtimes. He said, I'm going with the kids who are playing hot. And that's, dude, you got to give a lot of credit to Bruiser Flint. He was phenomenal in that game when he started taking over coaching. This looks like a different Kentucky team. Now, can they carry it over? They've got Vanderbilt tomorrow night on Tuesday. Can they carry it over? Because we know how hard that is to go to Vandy and play. If they can win there, continue to shoot a little better, Dante's going to have to – people are going to have to temper expectations. This could be the best and worst thing. Best thing because now it opens up as a shooter. We know whatever. Worst thing because now there's going to be people who expect that, and he's not going to do that every game. What Dante needs to do is hit three, four, five of them a game. Yeah, he, he's capable of doing that. He's got a quicker trigger than I remember in high school, too. Like he gets the ball off quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he can produce that and just make sure you have a shooter out there, that opens everything up. Because what you've seen on the floor is when the Mississippi State realized, holy shit, we got to guard this kid. Dude, Devin Askey was more open on a dribble drive. I thought he, he played 43 minutes. He was really good. Um, Olivier Saar is more wide open. Day, or um, Davion Mintz is more wide open. Just having that one knockdown shooter the defense has to play on is opens everything up. If he could continue to do this, this is a different Kentucky team. But we'll see on Tuesday night. They can go into Vanderbilt, continue the momentum and win. Now things might finally start to be rolling for them. Yeah, even though he had this incredible game, like I said, like you said, he's not going to do this every night. If he can average around 12 points per game, couple threes, really open up this Kentucky's offense, then Kentucky could change the season around, possibly get into the tournament, maybe win the SEC tournament. Um, but he's still got a tall task to have. The two and six, what they're, well, they're the one and zero in conference. Right one now, and zero, yeah. The two and six overall, they still got a long ways to go before we start potentially saying Kentucky's at the top of the conference again. Um, because teams like Tennessee, I still like, I don't think Tennessee is going to beat up on them. Texas is still going to beat them. Uh, they still got a long ways to go, but you're heading in the right direction, I guess, uh, if I'd say so. But, yeah, Dante Allen, we've been saying you this. You got to give him more minutes. Got to give him more PT. You got to feel good for him, though, man. You got to really feel good for that kid. Um, just in a zone. I mean, we've been there before on a different level, but man, what what a game! I was just wow. Our our, our game thread was popping too. Everybody's like flamethrower engaged, man. And he was mm-hmm. just letting it go. So you got to feel good for him. But um, that's it for the recaps, Peyton. It's time for some Cooks Corner. You got that dialed up ready for us before we move on? Start closing uh, this thing yeah. out. Let me share my screen real quick. There we go. Uh, bring this up. And three, two, one. Everything college basketball listeners, it is Conrad Cushman from Everything Pro Wrestling. And do you know what time it is? Right now, it's time for you to put on your chef's hat and get ready to talk about people getting cooked on the court. Maybe a little pick and roll. Who knows what we're going to talk about. But right now, it's time for ECB's resident cook, Tyler Cook, with Cook's Corner. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Cook's Corner. 
the first installment of ECB podcast in the 2021 year. Let's go and get right into this thing. Travis Eve from Rice, a sophomore, came off the bench to score 36 points, going 13 of 19 from the field. An underrated performance that you wouldn't have seen on SportsCenter anywhere else, but you're hearing about it right here on ECB. Travis Eve, a very underrated performance. An underrated player in the Division I ranks here. Jalen Johnson from Alabama A&M. This young man is in his sophomore year. He is averaging 26 points, 9 rebounds. He's doing it all from inside the three-point line. He is from Indianapolis, Indiana. But the biggest thing that I see that's underrated is his jump of production from his freshman year into his sophomore year. His freshman year, he only averaged 5.5 points. Now he's up to 26 points. I mean, it's only six games into the season, but still, that's a huge jump. Coming from a, a local boy from where we record at of Indiana, it's pretty impressive, super impressive. He's only behind Luca Garza in, uh, in points production per game. Jalen Johnson out of Alabama A&M. If you're ever on the ESPN Plus app and you see this team pop up, flip in and give this guy a look. Speaking of Iowa, the Iowa Lady Hawkeyes has a very, very underrated player. Caitlin Clark. She is a six-foot freshman. She is averaging 27 points a game as a freshman at the Big Ten level. All women's college basketball is underrated, in my opinion. But this girl right here is averaging almost more than all of the men by herself as far as points production. 27, I think Luke Gars is pretty close to that. But she is fourth on the women's list. But it's just impressive to me that she's a freshman putting up these kind of numbers. She's got 162 total points. She's knocked down 33 free throws and 19 threes in six games this year. 55 total free uh, field goals. Super underrated. And one more subject I'm going to touch on. You've probably heard me say about it a couple times this year, a couple times last year, and a couple times anytime we talk about basketball on or off this podcast, rebounding. Rebounding, rebounding, rebounding is a very underrated thing to do in a basketball game. People talk about wanting playing time, they need to shoot better. People talk about playing time, they need to, need to defend better, which that's true. But a huge factor into winning the basketball game is winning the board battle. It's proven true more often than not this year in college basketball. People can hit more threes than you, and you can still beat them. People can hit more free throws than you, and you can still beat them. But if you win the glass, you're taking away opportunities for them to score. You're getting them out one and done. You're getting yourself second opportunities. You're doing a lot more to get more attempts to score the basketball. Rebounding the rock is probably the most underrated thing I've seen. As years, as these kids, you know, keep developing, you know, they, they're trying that Steph Curry mentality, chucking threes, or they're trying to be LeBron and drive down there and dunk on everybody. Rebounding the basketball will win you games. Hands down, bar none. 
I see a lot of kids just standing around watching the ball. When a ball goes up, the kids that touch a body and block out, those are the kids that are getting, getting a lot of minutes down low. Even if they're not being super productive in the points column, they're stopping the opponents from getting points. That's just as effective as scoring the basketball. You're taking away points from the opposing team. It's just as effective as putting it in yourself. So, with that being said, we're going to get you back to Josh and Peyton. Let them wrap this thing up. Peace, guys. I love Kirk's Corner. Like, he brings out – we talked about it, and I think I'll probably say it every week, but he brings out the most, like, underrated topics or stats or whatever. And he's done that, you know, when he was full-time with us and everything. I love these because it opens your mind up to something else. And how about that? That's a stat I didn't know about the the freshman from Iowa, 27 yeah. a game. How about that? Iowa in men's and women's has two of the top scores in the nation on their respective sports. Yeah. Uh, he mentioned Caitlin Clark, five, former five-star recruit, ranked fourth overall and second at guard by ESPN, two-time gold medalist as a member of Team USA after winning the 2017 U16 FIBA All-Makers Tournaments and 2019 U19 FIBA World Cup Tournament. She's a baller. She can definitely get buckets. And, yeah, Iowa has – Two of the best scoring players in their respective um, college basketball, men's and women's. Luca Garza for the men's and Kayla Clark for the women's. Um, just incredible. She's doing this all as a freshman, which is even more insane. Yeah, definitely keep an eye on her putting these numbers up because we've talked about women's game. These girls stay four years, so she's got a chance to break a lot of records. She keeps this pace up, stays healthy. Um, the other thing he said is rebounding. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We've – preached us for years rebounding is all about heart you can be six eight and be a terrible rebounder or you can be five eleven and be the best rebounder in the nation yeah it's not even that rebounding takes effort more than it takes skill in my eyes yep it ta- it's all effort if you want to get a rebound go do it like it takes effort it doesn't take skill to get a rebound to be to grab rebounds you see guys like christian brown from kansas who's multiple times this season has led kansas in rebounding um, getting 10, 12 rebounds a game are just incredible. Um, so it takes all, it takes heart and it takes effort more than it takes skill or size in my eyes. But yeah, he loves that rebounding. He loves talking about it, which is obviously a great point. More times than not, when you look at games, look at teams that win the ball game, they normally at least win the rebounding battle. If, if it's by one or if it's by like 20, at least they win the rebounding battle. It's the reason why they win the game. More times than not. But. Yeah, more. Yeah, absolutely. More times every the rare exception. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Love another edition of Cook's Corner. Can't wait for next week's to see what he comes up with. Let's go ahead and start, Peyton. We got some games this week we want to talk about briefly, some maybe more a little in depth. Um, I'm going to throw one at you and it's not necessarily it's a huge game, but it kind of is inside the ACC conference on Wednesday night, Peyton Louisville's first real challenge, in my opinion, inside the conference, this starts that brutal run. They're going to have to go on. They host number 19, Virginia tech at home. What's your feelings? What's your thoughts, concerns about this Virginia tech team? Cause Mike white is a hell of a coach. He's got these Hokies playing well. Yeah, this Virginia Tech team is very underrated. They shoot 36.5% from three, which is 77th, uh, according to Ken Palm. Uh, They shoot 52.6% from the two-point line. So they got a pretty damn good offense, 35th in offensive efficiency in Ken Palm. Okay, defense ranked 48th, but 
Effective field goal percentage is ranked 67th. So 67th. Uh, offense rebound percentage, the rate 80th. They got 88th. They got a really good team, very underrated. But this Louisville team hanging this game, we struggled a little bit early on in that Boston College win. And then David Johnson hit like a couple threes in a row. And we started opening them up. And then late in the game, we struggled. They started trapping. We started turning the ball over. We got to take care of the ball, especially we got to take care of the ball the whole game, but especially when it gets to late game situations. Multiple times in that Kentucky game where we won, we turned the ball over, just stupid mistakes, um, give Kentucky chances to win the game. They obviously didn't. Uh, same thing at Boston College. They was down 10. They was hitting some shots, and we turned the ball over and gave them any more more opportunities to get back in this game. We ended up winning that game, though, but we're starting to shoot a little bit better from three, which I like. David Johnson's production heading into a freshman to now a sophomore is just incredible. Um, Carly Jones is a very good player. Obviously, he's putting up numbers. Queen Zelensky's one of my favorite players on this Louisville team. He is getting a lot of minutes, and Chris Mack said he's going to get a lot more minutes because he's playing so hard, coming off the bench. Him and Josh Nickerberry is a spark plug coming off the bench that we desperately need right now. It's the reason why we're starting to win these ball games. Charles Malad, he's going to play this game, but he's still injured, so his, he's going to take the day off. He's not going to play this game. Um, but yeah, this game should be interesting. It should be fun. I don't think it's going to be high scoring. I think it's going to be a little bit low scoring. It's a tough game. Um, I think what Virginia Tech has a legitimate chance of upsetting us or not upsetting us, beating us, excuse me. But I think the production of Carly Jones and David Johnson, Quinn Zelensky's come off the bench, Nickelberry come off the bench. Sam Williamson's going to have a decent game. I think Lowell's defense is going to be too much for Virginia Tech to overcome. Yeah, I, I favor Louisville in this slightly, but Mike White comes up with some offensive schemes and like he did at Wofford, the, he will get shots open for some of his guys like Alinier and company um, at Virginia Tech. Louisville's pack line is going to be tested, but I think they will, I think Louisville's playing well right now. And I, I think that continues. Also Wednesday night, big time SEC matchup. Can Tennessee avoid going back-to-back -back in the L column at home even? Wednesday night, they host Arkansas in Thompson Bowling Arena. Peyton, big-time SEC matchup. Arkansas 9-1. Tennessee, what did I say, 7-1? 7-1. Both of them 1-1 inside the conference. You know, Tennessee's got the number one defense in Ken Palm and efficiency. Arkansas's got a 36 in the nation-rated offense. 44th and defense this is going to be a very I think a low scoring game even though Arkansas will want to probably push the pace but if Tennessee can shoot the ball better from three than they did against um, Alabama and clean up on the glass I think they win but Arkansas I really feel like is going to push them you got to keep in mind too who Arkansas has this year Justin Smith, the transfer from IU, known to be a scrappy kid around the rim, finisher around the rim. I think he could be interesting along with a guy like Desi Sills. Arkansas has the talent potential to beat Tennessee, although I do favor the Vols slightly in a low-scoring affair. I think Tennessee's I think Tennessee's defense is what's going to win them this game. You mentioned them being number one in defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. The defense is going to play a lot better. 
um, than what they did in the Alabama loss. The offense is going to play a lot better than what they did in that Alabama loss. They're going to be able to hit some shots. Uh, Arkansas is a scrappy team. You mentioned Justin Smith, former IU player. Uh, four-star freshman Moses Moody is going to get some minutes. He's probably going to play. Uh, he's probably going to play pretty well in this game. But I think Tennessee, their depth, especially the defense, is going to be too much for Arkansas. Arkansas got beat by Missouri um, a couple of days ago. Got blown out. I think it's going to be the same old, same old. I think Tennessee is going to win this game, seventy-six to sixty-two. I think Arkansas will keep it close in like the first half, but Tennessee will start to blow them out. We'll start to pull away in the second half, and Tennessee will get their revenge game. Thursday night, a couple, uh, at least one game that really piques my interest. A couple others I'm just going to ask you about real quick. But the one on Thursday night, Big Ten clash, Indiana needs a quad one victory. This is another chance for it. They're one and two in conference. Do not want to start one and three, but Peyton, this is a tall task and a place they've not won at in over 20 years. They go to the Cole Center. No fans, or I don't know. If, I don't think Cole Center. Maybe they have a few, but you know what I'm saying. Essentially no fans against a very good red-hot Wisconsin team. Can Indiana snap the 20-year streak of losing at the Cole Center on Thursday night? I'll let you take the first volley. No. Wisconsin wins. I feel like Wisconsin, you know, they have trouble keeping the consistency. They're still a good team. They're talented. They've got a deep, talented squad. Demetrius tries to have a really good game this game. Weavers just have a really good game. Indiana, their problems is obviously the same old problems. They got to shoot a little bit better from three-point line. You know, they're starting to do that a little bit more, starting to hit more shots every game. Um, they got a really good defense, 15th and defensive efficiency, and according to Ken Palm, I just think, Someone else is going to step up besides TJD if they want to win this game. Christian Lander has to get more minutes. I've been begging them to play Christian Lander. Haven't done it yet. If he starts getting more playing time, then maybe they'll start winning some of these games. Um, they're actually playing Maryland right now. I don't remember the final, I don't remember the score, but they're playing a scrappy Maryland team. But I don't think they're going to beat Wisconsin. They haven't won there in like 20-some years, and it's not going to change. Wisconsin, it's going to be a low-scoring game. Wisconsin wins 66-59. to 59. A couple of things, and I, I agree. I think Wisconsin's going to win this, And but here's a couple of things. Wisconsin's shooting ninth best in the nation from three at a 41% clip. Indiana, teams are only shooting 31% against them from three, so that's something in their favor. They're defending three well, and I think that's the one key. If Wisconsin doesn't hit threes, I don't think they beat Indiana. I really don't. So if Indiana can defend the three like they have been so far this year, I think that gives themselves a really good shot conversely Wisconsin's defense eighth in the nation from inside the three-point line teams are only shooting 40.6 percent Indiana you look at them yes they're shooting better from three and they're starting to hit more but their bread and butter has got to dump it down to TJD Wisconsin defends that area that paint area so well it could be a struggle unless IU hits 12 13 threes to open them up which they're capable of but I'm with you. I think Wisconsin wins. Real quick, I just seen the score. Maryland's beating Indiana 13-6. 11 minutes ago in the first half. Yeah, long time ago. Long yeah. time. I don't really want to – you can go – you don't have to go in depth on this. One that just kind of – I, I want to ask you about two of the more disappointing teams early on this year, for you definitely, I know, played Thursday night in a Pac-12 matchup. Both of them are unbeaten inside conference play. But UCLA goes at Arizona State on Thursday night, Peyton. Who takes the first L inside the Pac-12 play? Uh, Arizona State takes the first L. They're not playing well. Remy Martin, 
He's having okay years, not having the best year I thought he would. Josh Christopher, besides that Villanova game, he's been kind of quiet. UCLA is actually starting to play a little bit better against some more wins, but I think Arizona State takes the first loss. UCLA wins this game because of the defense. I agree. I agree. And then we move on. Saturday doesn't really have the, the, the crazy slate of games that normally does, but the big one by far is Texas at West by God, Virginia. Peyton, we talked about no Oscar Sheeblay for the Mountaineers. Can, um, can, can the Mountaineers, I mean, can they hold up in the front court against Jericho Sims, Greg Brown, and company? No. Texas wins. I Left think Brown, so. Jericho Sims, too much for Texas or too much for West Virginia to overcome. Derek Cole was a great player, but losing Sheboy, it's not going to be pretty for them. I think Texas doesn't blow them out like it did Kansas, but a little bit closer, but Texas wins pretty handily. Completely agree on that. I completely agree. Kansas, Oklahoma, you don't have to go in depth. I think Kansas does bounce back. Even though Oklahoma yeah. could give them Oklahoma could give them one. Hey, they could. I think they were. Brady Manick. Brady Manick could be very, very interesting for for uh, Kansas to guard if he hits a three ball. Yeah, if I still I still think Kansas wins though. Gets to bounce back game. Okay, okay. Um, and then let me pull this back up. It, it kind of disappeared on me. There was one on Sunday. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Come on now. Don't you love technology sometimes? Sunday. Oh, Sunday. Minnesota at Iowa, Big Ten clash. And keep in mind, earlier this week, we forgot to mention it too, on a Tuesday or Wednesday night, Minnesota goes to uh, unbeaten Michigan. Then they got to turn around on Sunday and play Iowa. That's just life in the Big Ten. Who you got? The uh, Golden Gophers or the Hawkeyes on Sunday? This is tough. I think Iowa gets a job done because of Luka Garza. I don't think Minnesota has a player. Really, I don't think Minnesota can slow. Luka Garza is down. Nobody really this season, North Carolina, even Gonzaga didn't really slow um, Luka Garza down. Therefore, I think they'll have probably 20-plus again. Probably have another double-double. Um, Bohan is going to have a decent game. He's going to at least help him there. Weeks can't have a decent game. But I think Iowa squeaks by Bailey, um, 81 to 76. I'm on the Marcus Carr train, and I think they go into Iowa and beat the Hawkeyes. Carr goes for another big one, and I think the opposite. Jordan Bohannon is going to struggle and shoot his team out of a ball game in this one. I think he'll shoot something like three of 14, shoot him completely out of the game while Marcus Carr dominates on the other end. Give me the Golden Gophers. I, I like this team. I like the makeup of this team. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I want to pick Minnesota to win. I just think Luka Garza and Iowa is just a little bit better of a team. So I think Iowa wins this game fairly though. But you can't go wrong with either one. I do like the Minnesota pick though. Iowa wins. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's start rounding this thing down, Peyton. Let's go to sinking ships and shooting stars. Let's start with the shooting stars. And really, I know you wanted to lead this off. Um, really? A couple big shooting stars? Yeah, uh, my number one shooting star is Michigan. I mentioned them earlier. Michigan and Texas, like the two teams that surprised me the most this season. Michigan is undefeated, uh, undefeated in the Big Ten. They're definitely tied for first of leading the Big Ten conference. Um, they just beat up on Northwestern, I think, yesterday or the day before. I think it was actually yesterday. 
Um, they beat up on a pretty decent Northwestern team who was ranked. Uh, they just look very talented right now. Hunter Dickinson, as a freshman, is looking very, very impressive. Um, his footwork, he's gotten a lot Putting better. Putting big numbers. Yeah, he's gotten a lot better since we've seen him in, uh, at the Nike EYBL up in Indy. His footwork, he has great footwork. He can still hit the mid-range jumper. He hasn't really done that too much this season, but his footwork down in the post is just incredible. Soft touch, he's putting up numbers. He's having a really good year so far, and he's leading this Michigan squad. And Dwan Howard's Michigan squad is very, very talented. So definitely they're on the shooting side. They're undefeated in the Big Ten and undefeated in the nation. So shooting star goes to Michigan. Yep. Wolverines. And then the two – and then the two sinking ships, we have the Richmond Spiders and the North Carolina Tar Heels, Peyton. I really thought this would be year tar, North Carolina would bounce back, but it seems like the same problems that they had last year, turning the ball over, shooting the three. I don't know what's up with them. I mean, they've kept they, – they kept it close with Texas, lost to a game winner, beat Stanford. That's really the only good win. Um, they lost to NC State a couple weeks ago, a week ago, whatever it was. Um, they're just not good right now. I, I don't know what the answer is. They got to take care of the ball, like you said. Got to shoot better from three. Georgia Tech beat them as well. Sure, I forgot about that. Georgia Tech beat them as well. They're just not looking very good right now. They definitely got a better loss than what they did last season. A little bit better than what they were last season, but it's still, like, just not as good as they should be, at least in my eyes. Completely agree. Time for some shout outs and let me take the first volley because I got a trio of wildcats here for you. Obviously, the number one shout out for me and the Big Blue Nation and a lot of people who are just neutral that like to see a good feel good story. Dante Allen, 23 points, seven of 11 from three. We talked about five boards, one block, 32 minutes off the bench. Legendary game that will live in the annals in Kentucky basketball history. Um, and I, I really mean that um, just for everybody's going to always remember the Dante Allen game because of the story and everything. So Dante Allen deserves the biggest shout out. He actually won SEC play, or freshman of the week. First honors this year for a Kentucky player, by the way. Um, Bruiser Flint deserves a shout out. Like I mentioned, he I thought he was tremendous on the sidelines, the, the strategy, switching up defenses, playing the right guys. I thought he was awesome. And then on the women's side, you got to give love to the best player in women's college basketball, Peyton. They went into overtime against the number 12-ranked Mississippi State women's team and knocked them off behind her 30, what's she at, 32, 33? I forget now. I think 32 points. But Ryan Howard is the best women's player. Dude, she tucked over in the fourth quarter – she had like 15 straight at one point between the fourth quarter and in overtimes. Unbelievable. Get off at the rebounds when they needed it. She is so good. So good. And then my last shout out, Mark Few. He has changed the narrative in college basketball. The way you recruit, the style of play in which you play, he's modernized. He's changed his own perception because for a long time he used to be the guy that – Gonzaga was good, but they weren't good enough. He's changed all that. He deserves a lot of credit, and he's on the cusp of becoming the it coach because it, I know recruiting's your deal, but you're looking at some of these big recruits like Jalen Suggs this year and all these four stars. He's on the verge of signing the best player in his class for the first time ever, it seems like. He's changed. He's becoming the it coach in college basketball, taking the spotlight away from 
Calipari, Coach K, Roy, uh, Jay Wright, Izzo. Mark Izzo, Mark Few is becoming, and Gonzaga is becoming the it program right now in college basketball. And I think he deserves a lot of credit. He's put a lot of foundation and hard work into this program to become that. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, he's definitely put a lot of work in this Gonzaga program. They've taken from a mid-major to now a powerhouse in my eyes um, and a lot of people's eyes as well. Definitely the best team in the nation this year. Definitely, I think, I mean, recruiting is my deal. Tune in to Hot on the Trail, Mr. Recruiter on our YouTube channel, by the way. I'll have an episode probably coming out in a week or two or something like that. Once more stuff happens in recruiting, then I'll let you guys know about that. But, yeah, they're on the verge of signing the, the best player in high school basketball, Chet Holgram which I said that like two months ago before anyone put in the crystal ball prediction, by the way. Um, but yeah, he's definitely doing great things at Gonzaga. Uh, Ryan Howard's definitely the best player in women's college basketball. Uh, phenomenal to display um, uh, the other night. And yeah, Boozer Front. I like all your shout outs. I only got two shout outs for this week. Uh, I'm just mentioning them. Hunter Dickinson, Hunter Dickinson from Michigan is having a hell of a year right now. One of the best freshmen in the nation. Uh, one of the most surprising freshmen. I mean, we are, I knew he was good coming into this year. He's a five-star. Uh, he was looking at Duke at one point. And I thought he was going to commit to Duke. He said committed for Juwan Howard's Michigan squad. He stepped up as a leader, as a freshman, having big numbers, putting up a huge year, and shout-out to him. My other shout-out goes to former VCU head coach, the Texas coach, the dude who finally grew some hair and now he's won ball games. Shaka Smart from Texas is having a tremendous year. He's beating some top-level teams. Almost beat Villanova about a month ago or three weeks ago, whatever it was. Uh, obviously, just blew out Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse. He's having a tremendous year. He has a legitimate chance of winning the Big 12 Conference this year. And I think if they continue the way they are with their backcourt and the way their interior defense is with Jericho Sands and Greg Brown, they have a potential of making it to Lucas Oil in the final I four. I completely agree completely agree and they might be one of the shortlist teams that could give Gonzaga somewhat of a run for their money because they match yes. up sort of well with them uh size wise backcourt play so but yeah I love those shout outs by the way too let's piggyback off that one too Jawan Howard is what Penny Hardaway was supposed to be he is so good at Michigan as a head coach right now and I don't think anybody expected him to be like that we kind of figured he would recruit well, which he has, but he's doing a really good job in his first year and a half at Michigan coaching the Wolverines. Yeah, last season, he had him up to like the fifth-ranked team in the nation. Beat Gonzaga, beat – they won what, uh, the Battle for Atlantis, the Maui Tournament, whichever yeah. one I've always – Battle for Atlantis. Battle for Atlantis, beat North Carolina, teams like Oregon, North Carolina, obviously beat Gonzaga in the final, and obviously ended up losing to Louisville a week ago. But – yeah, he's having a great first year and now a great second year, and he's really starting to make his mark at Michigan, which is cool to see because he's obviously a former member of the Fat Five, legendary team um, for the Michigan team. But, yeah, it's cool to see, though. He is everything that Penny was being. I'll stand by that. Yep. Uh, anyway. Anyways, let's finish this off the right way because remember I had bank on it. Duke over Florida State game got postponed, so it doesn't count against me, but still not doing the best to start the year off. So I'll let you take first volley on this one. I am four and two on bank on it. I banked on it last week. The records were going to defeat Iowa. Super close. They lost 77-75. It's whatever. My bank on it. I'm doubling down on it like I have like the past couple of weeks. Uh, Louisville defeats Virginia Tech this Wednesday. Uh, last time I banked on Wolver to win, 
I didn't know Carly Jones wasn't going to play. Um, and I didn't know we was going to have a long layoff like we did. And we obviously got destroyed by Wisconsin, but that's not going to happen again. Virginia Tech is a good team, but I think our defense and our backcourt is going to be too much for them to handle. Therefore, bank on it. Louisville defeats Vitek this Wednesday. Starts three all in the conference. I've also got a Wednesday bank on it. The Golden Gophers, Little Richard, goes <laughs> in. Little Ricky goes in to Ann Arbor and hands the Wolverines their first loss of the year. Minnesota over Michigan Wednesday night. Bank on it. And I know it's going to piss some people off because we have Michigan fans in the group, but oh, well. Oh, <laughs> oh well. Oh, well. But anyways, wrapping things up again. I know this is another late one, but we appreciate you. Hope you guys enjoy this. Um, again, we will reschedule to have – author Greg Art Graham Honaker on the show very, very soon to talk all about his book was release. Cannot wait for that. If you guys have questions for him or comments or anything, be feel free to send them in. We will get those to him. Cannot wait for that episode. Um, big week of college basketball. As is, we have turned the page to 2021. We've left that god awful year behind us. Time for new beginnings. And let's hope everything goes a lot better this year than it was last year. This is our, like we said last week, this is our Virginia redemption year. Yeah, I can't agree more. 2021 is our year that we take over college basketball world by, land, uh, by storm. Um, I said that last week, and I'll say it again until we do it. Uh, this is going to be our year. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited for what's to come in the future for ECB. Excited to watch some of these games this week. Make sure you guys are watching it, women's and men's. Um, yeah, just keep being interactive with the group, stuff like that, sharing our stuff. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram at ECB Podcast 10. Go buy our merchandise, teespring.com slash storage slash everything college basketball. Follow us, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's where you find my podcast, Hot Metro and Mr. Recruiter. EPW is a way to go for everything for professional wrestling fans. I think I got all my damn plugs in, so I'm ready to hit the hay. I got to go do some eye racing here in a little bit. Do a waste my new sponsored ECB uh, rocket chassis XL1 rocket. Put that bitch in victory lane at Odor. So <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to go. I gotta go do some my racing. But hope you guys enjoyed the show. See you next week. Yep. Other than that, thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you next week with a new episode. You guys have a good week, and until then, we'll see you down the road. Boom. Boom.